get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara with you on Twitter at AndyMC81, the show at TSN Analytics. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, the TSN1050.ca show page, and we'll pop it up on the Twitter accounts as well, again, at TSN Analytics. Nice little show for you today. Travis Yost from TSN.ca stops by in just a couple moments. Then we'll have Sean Tierney, Hockey Graphs, The Athletic, uh, on Twitter for him, at Charting Hockey, and James Harding, NHL.com, Fantasy Writer. And folks, as you know, we are delivered by Domino's. A slew of great games this week, and it is a packed NHL schedule. So how about this? You can get unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just seven ninety nine each, you order a minimum of two, and just seven ninety nine. You can get as many as you want. You can get ten, twenty, whatever of delicious fresh toppings of unlimited two topping pizza. Seven ninety nine. Go to Domino's.ca. I know this might in, that might interest my next guest, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Travis, you're going to order yourself a couple dozen seven ninety nine medium pizzas, baby. I'll tell you, they're they're not paid. These, these pitches, they are they are great. Hey, every time I hear them, I'm like, man, I got to go run down. Yeah. The there you go. Well, while we think about what toppings to put on our pizza, uh, let's get into one of your articles on tsn.ca. And uh, earlier in the week, you said that you thought the Calgary Flames' best path to a deep playoff run was winning the division. Now, how drastically do you feel their chances of going far in the playoffs dip if they finish second or third at the end of the year? I mean, it's substantial. And, you know, I, I got some really interesting feedback from Flames fans, uh, some positive, some not so positive. The, the not so positive, though, was generally along the lines of, hey, what does it matter if we finish second? We've got to beat these teams anyway. Well, the whole point of finishing first is so that you increase your probability of right. advancing. Like, you you know, and it's actually funny, Andy, because when we talked at the beginning of the year, the Pacific Division was a joke. And yeah. now if you look, um, not that the division isn't top-heavy, but Calgary, San Jose, and Vegas are, along with Tampa, the four hottest teams in the league. And you've got three in the same division. I mean, Calgary at one point had 31 points in their last 20 games, which is an incredible accumulation. And they had lost four points of ground on both Vegas and San Jose. I mean, that, that tells you how hot that division is. And with Calgary, if you kind of look at how the playoff matchups potentially stack up, you're talking about drawing one of three teams, right? You're talking about drawing Anaheim, who has lost literally ten games in a row, and is uh, let's be honest, they are they are not a good hockey team. Uh, Colorado and Minnesota, or Dallas, I guess you can throw it. So those four, core four teams, none of which have played particularly well this year. I mean, I, I would consider, I would argue that all four of those teams are average, uh, tremendously average, and that would be true if you went by goal differential, scoring chance differential, whatever measure you want. The issue is, because of the force 2-3 divisional matchup for each uh, in the first round of the playoffs, if you finish second, let's say, Calgary, you're going to play one of Vegas or San Jose. I mean, that, that, that is a fact. I, there, there's not a chance that those, that those two teams are going to be pumped out of that top three, which means, okay, so let's say you get a home series against, I don't know, let's say Vegas right now, okay? So you've got a, effectively, a, and we modeled this out, it's about a coin flip series between okay. Calgary and Vegas, assuming Calgary has home ice, maybe 53% chance of advancing. If they played Anaheim, it's almost 75%. They played Dallas or Minnesota, it's about 65%. So we're talking about dropping the win probability by about 25% just Jeez. on the matter of either finishing first or second. And then, 
let's assume they get the right side of that coin flip and they beat Vegas in the first round. Who do they play in the second round? Well, now you've got a road series against San Jose. And my point being is I, I think I don't, I don't want Flames fans to miss this point. You want great teams to play each other because they knock each other out. Yes. And the worst thing you can do, the worst spot you can be in in this playoff spot is that either the two or three spot in the Pacific, because it's almost certainly going to mean you're going to play one of, in Calgary's case, San Jose and Vegas, and then Vegas or San Jose in the second round, and then possibly Nashville or Winnipeg in the third round. I mean, that, that, that is a gauntlet that almost guarantees uh, a team being eliminated at some point just because of how incredible that competition is. So, again, it's a true comment for Calgary and the importance of winning that division, but I guess you could make the argument that it's just as important for San Jose and Vegas. How crazy is it, Travis, that the Calgary Flames have the second-best record in all of hockey? Like, that just blows me away from where we were a few weeks ago. That, that, that's it, wild. It's pretty nuts. Uh, remember my, my, my most confusing team in the league. Yeah. Done it yeah. again. And the fact that you think this is nuts, and most people do, it, it implicitly endorses my comment from a month and a half ago where I said I had a hard time figuring this team out. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, the, the, the skater quality of this team is generally similar to what we saw last year. Uh, they've gotten better goaltending, and in, in, especially in large spurts, um, they've been more reluctant to go to Mike Smith, which I think is the right decision. He has not played well this year. Um, they're getting goaltending, and, and generally speaking, they are the better five-on-five team with a with a pretty robust power play, and that's that's usually a fantastic combination. Uh, I think the interesting question, though, is again in a matchup in a matchup scenario, Calgary's biggest potentially biggest advantage is that they are so tough to defend five-on-five. They're really fast. They've got skill at the top end of their lineup, and they've got two credible defensive pairings that, that really apply a lot of pr- pressure based on ship-by-ship basis. You know the other two really, really good 5-on-5 teams in this league? San Jose and Vegas. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the other piece of when we're talking about the, the manipulations of potential playoff matchups is you really want some sort of competitive advantage in a series. And if your biggest competitive advantage, which let's say in Calgary's case is 5-on-5 play, is neutralized because you're playing another elite five on five team that that just makes the road awfully tricky. So again, I you know I give full marks to Calgary. They've been one of the most impressive teams in the league this year. But you know the overarching part of the point of the piece was you know some teams can have a great first half and kind of rest on their laurels and and see how the chips fall. Calgary has to win this division. They they cannot sacrifice this tremendous lead that they had at the twenty twenty five game mark um, and and fall into that two or three slot in the Pacific. Right, and, and Travis, if we look at the Western Conference as a whole, it we, we talked we just talked about it from a few weeks ago to now. It is so confusing because you got Nashville, you can respect, right? You got the Jets, who you know are legit. You got Calgary, and then you went through teams after that. If I were to set a line, an over under line at four and a half on teams that we should respect coming out of the West as true contenders, would you be over or under that? Oh, that's a great. That's a great. That's line. a good Vegas line. Well, an odds maker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say, oh man, I, I think I Vegas would lose over because I think the number is five. I think it's Nashville, Winnipeg, and I think it's Calgary, San Jose, Vegas. I think all five of those teams have shown at this point in the year that they are, I don't want to say playoff locks, but close to playoff locks because of how well, you know, three of those teams have the points lead and San Jose and Vegas got off the slow starts, but they're two of the hottest teams in the league, and I, I think that what we're seeing more lately is more reflective of how good those teams are. I, so I would say the number's five, but I, I would say it is interesting. My level of con- like the, the level of confidence we had when we were talking about the West, like Nashville, we expected, Nashville and Winnipeg, really, we mm-hmm. expected to really 
run away with the Western Conference. And that hasn't been the case this year. And Nashville's kind of having a little bit of a weird season. I know P.K. Subban's missed some time. Um, but again, you know their injury issues aren't the similar to other other injury issues around the league. Um, and and the other the other fascinating thing to me is Winnipeg hasn't taken full advantage of Nashville's. I I don't want to say mediocrity. It's not mediocrity. I'm talking hmm. mediocrity from I guess a Stanley Cup contender. Perspective. Yeah. Um, that that Nashville doesn't look, or at least hasn't looked as impressive as as they were in certain spots last year. Um, so I actually think, you know, I think the number's five, so I would take a slide over out of the West. But um, I, I, I do think the more interesting race is really who is the true number one team in the Central. I, I think we've recognized now we've got this three-headed monster in the Pacific, and it's going to fall some way, and it ultimately doesn't matter. They're all great teams. What does Nashville do down the stretch? What does Winnipeg mm-hmm. do down the stretch? Um, and, and who really emerges between those two teams as the prohibitive favorite out of the Central? Yeah, with the other weak teams, that's going to be a key again for whoever wins that division. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Uh, Travis, when we, we go through the, the, the Twitterverse, right, and we follow different trends and uh, of our hockey analytics uh, followers and contributors and all that, you pick up on things like players doing really well with no ice time or teams dominating with the Corsi competition lately, different trends like that. But one of the trends that's popped up on your Twitter feed often is the production of Brandon Peary of the Golden Knights. You're just talking about Vegas. What is it about this guy that has people talking? And since he seems like a serviceable enough player, why has he been bounced around to five different NHL rosters? Uh, it's it's crazy to me. Um, I, I I think Brandon Peary is one of those areas where I would consider it still to be a market inefficiency in this league. The perception of Brandon Peary is I think everyone agrees he's a goal scorer, right? Like he's going to score. Uh, his career average per 82 games, he gives you about 24 goals a season, which that's not like I'm in the NHL. That's like I'm in the NHL when I'm a second-line forward, regular second-line forward. Uh, but, if, you know, there was a great piece in The Athletic a couple weeks ago that where a couple scouts were exchanging some thoughts on Peary, and the, and the refrain was, you know, he's great when he's scoring, but when he's not, you know, we have concerns about his off-puck play and defensive awareness. And, you know, in a vacuum, it's hard to evaluate the merit of that argument. But one of the issues that I've had with those arguments in the past, and it's true again in Brandon Peary's case, is, is if Brandon Peary is so bad defensively, how is it possible that he has outscored the other team when he's been on the ice over the course of his career, right? He's either that, he's either, we're either undervaluing his offensive impact or overstating his defensive impact or a combination of the two. And, you know, with Vegas, yeah, again, it seems like they've got lightning in a bottle here because Brandon Peary is over a point per game. You know, this year when they've called him up, the guy was, he, I think he had, you know, six consecutive games or six and seven uh, scoring goals. He's actually the leader in all situations, goals per 60 minutes and points per 60 minutes ahead of Nikita Kucherov, if you can believe it. Um, and again, we're only talking about 10 or so games, but I, I think the overarching point here is Brandon Perry looks great when he's producing, and when he's not producing, he doesn't look as good. But that's true for pretty much every player in the league, right? Yeah. And at the end yeah. of the day, we're trying to evaluate how teams behave with a given player on the ice and whether it was Florida or New York or Chicago or Vegas, uh, teams have generally outscored with uh, outscored their opponents with Brandon Perry on the ice. And, and that, that to me is, is a key takeaway when married with the fact that we know individually, he's a very productive goal scorer. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know that this, this current run is reflective of his true talents, but uh, the fact that, that Vegas has called him up and found success with him 
relative to other AHL call-ups around the league is not surprising, right? This guy has, yeah. has a track record of producing in the NHL, and I think what we're seeing is a continuation of that. Let's hop over to the Eastern Conference and the Metro here, Travis, because the top three teams in that Metro division also happen to be three of the hottest teams in the league, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. Blue Jackets, of course, we know, have been through a little bit of drama, right, uh, on and off all season. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, most recently with the Sergei Bobrovsky, essentially a one-game impo- team-imposed suspension. How much of a chance would you give the Blue Jackets in a seven-game series against either the Penguins or the Capitals, assuming Columbus holds on to that third spot in the division? Uh, I give them a very strong chance if, if, and this is, you know, if I got a Word document open, I'm putting this in size 72 font. Uh, <laughs> if I've got Sergei Bobrovsky in that, and you know, his mind is, and he's right, because you know, the, reading the tea leaves this past week, it's clear that. There is some organizational distress between Bobrovsky and the team, and there was even allusions to the fact that he might be gone before the trade deadline. And if I'm replacing, you know, one of the better goalies in the league with a guy, whoever that guy is, I'm going to have much less confidence about Columbus. But Columbus has been a very good team for about two and a half years now. I, I, I think, you know, I we talked about this you know, last postseason, but. They were probably the team that gave the eventual Stanley Cup winners, Washington Capitals, the most trouble of all of all the teams. Columbus not only gave them trouble, Columbus had them on the ropes. I mean, yeah. that series looked like Columbus was going to advance, and let's be honest, they choked. Uh, or Washington came through when it mattered most, whichever way you want to spin mm-hmm. it. But um, Columbus has shown that they can be very competitive with these teams. They outplayed Washington for large stretches of that series last year, and they generally have... Uh, the same roster in place, and you could argue that some of their players have another year of development under them, which could help. But uh, again, man, that that's that's a that's a kind of a loaded question here because not only Bobrovsky, you've got a major question around. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with our Kemi Panarin. So you've got, well, you've got yeah, their best, their best goaltender by a mile, and one of the best goalies in the league, and one of the better scorers in the league, who both have completely in flux situations. So it's they are a, a very talented team, but a very difficult team to handicap right now. Interesting. Covered a lot of good ground there, Travis. Thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend. All right. Take care, Andy. There he goes. Travis Yost from tsn.ca. Must follow on Twitter at Travis Yost. Another must follow on Twitter after the break at Charting Hockey. Better known as Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic. We'll chat with him next on TSN Hockey Analytics. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. At Andy MC81. You can find the most recent shows. Links tweeted out there as well as on TSN1050.ca, iHeartRadio app, iTunes, all that good stuff uh, right there. 
Let's head to the Domino's Pizza delivery line. And, folks, get yourself a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. It's our good buddy from Hockey Grass, from The Athletic. It's Sean Tierney. Shawnee, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andy? Doing well, sir. Doing well. And let's start with a team out west that has really jumped right back into the thick of things when it comes to the uh, division race. We chatted a little bit earlier with Travis Yost about it. The Vegas Golden Knights, they're back after that tough start. When people check your Twitter, at Charting Hockey, they find links to a lot of great charts, and we talk about it all the time, the vi- that visualize all sorts of data. You, looking at your expected goal differential chart yesterday, we see that Vegas has done a decent job of keeping that goal differential positive all year and have been on the upswing for the last couple of weeks. So if we look bigger picture when it comes to our Pacific contenders, it's pretty much them, Calgary, and San Jose. Are you least confident in the Knights when it comes to winning the Pacific, or is there another team that gives you cause for concern? That's a really interesting question. I've been a big uh, proponent of what Vegas has been doing all season long. Their underlying numbers have been pretty positive, even though the start that they had wasn't fantastic. But they've kind of gotten into this strange dogfight where Calgary looks good and San Jose is really sort of rounding into form too. And all three of them are uh, some of the better teams out of the West right now, and they're all just stuck with each other in the same division. When we're looking at Vegas, you've got a team that's, fifth best in shot rate for, third best in shot rate against. So, you know, that's league-wide. They look really strong. But the problem is San Jose's second best in shot rate for and best in shot rate against in the league, and Calgary's eighth best in shots for and second best in shots against. So we're looking at three of sort of the most dominant teams in terms of just sort of controlling the play overall. And what's worse for Vegas is all three are kind of trending positively at the same time in terms of that expected goals you were talking about, where all three are really controlling the share of the quality chances that are happening in their games right now, too. So, you know, any other uh, division you drop the Vegas Golden Knights in, you'd say they're finally coming around. Their numbers have been good underneath all season. This is a team that's going to be, you know, a difficult team to contend with in the division. But Calgary and San Jose are right there doing some of the same things that Vegas is doing. So, you know, the three teams are at 58, 59, 62 points. I still think Vegas has it in them to make a push, especially because San Jose has really struggled with goaltending so far this season. Jones has been, you know, kind of a dud all season long in San Jose. Calgary hasn't realized that, you know, Big Save Dave is is the guy to go with and they keep (laughs) playing Mike Smith. And so as long as those two teams are kind of playing around with their goaltending issues, Vegas might sneak up the middle. Marc-Andre Fleury's been about, you know, average. He's done about what you'd expect from him to do. I wouldn't count them out in the division yet. I think I like their numbers a lot. I like their chances. It's a division that's up for grabs. But, yeah, the, the teams that they're competing with, Calgary and San Jose, have been fantastic, too. Uh, producer Sean Lavery just got in my ear and said he loves Big Save Dave, just so you know. Big Save Dave's great. Uh, I think we're all big fans of Big Save Dave. <laughs> it's such a great name. Hashtag Big Save Dave. Okay. Uh, let's, <laughs> Sean, let's move over and look at uh, some of your team shot rates charts. And all season, it's pretty much been the Maple Leafs who have dominated this, quote, fun category of shot generation. So for someone who may be a little greener to analytics, can you explain what the difference is between a fun team like the Leafs and a, quote, good team like the Sharks and how you produce your team shot rate chart? So these, uh, that's sort of the bedrock stat that we turn to first, where we're looking at shot rate for and shot rate against to see which teams really control the puck. And it winds up being kind of our proxy for puck possession, the idea that a team controls the direction the shots are going in the game. 
And the, the labels I use in the quadrants originated with Micah Blake McCurdy, who's sort of, you know, one of the godfathers of hockey stats for us on Twitter. The idea is the fun quadrant, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, is a quadrant where a team lands when they're generating a ton of shots for. And for the Leafs, they're the fourth highest uh, shot rate team going right now. So that's a lot of fun. But you wind up in fun when you're also giving up a ton of chances against. And unfortunately for the Leafs, they're sixth, seventh. They kind of hang around the very top of the league in terms of allowing shots against as well. So the idea of fun is this is a team that gets all their own chances. Lots of fun in that way. And if you're watching the game on Saturday night, it's a fun team to watch because the other team, their opponent's going to get their chances too. It's worked for the Leafs so far this year because their shot rate has been very elevated and their save percentage when Anderson's been in net has been fantastic. So they don't necessarily mind trading chances with their opponents. They're counting on their superior skill to win the day. But they're not dominating the chances. They're going back and forth end-to-end, and it's fun to watch, but it's not necessarily the preferred mode. When we look in the top right quadrant of that chart, that's labeled good, and that's for teams that have that same sort of idea where they generate a ton of shots for San Jose, Carolina, Montreal, Vegas, Tampa Bay. But they limit the number of shots that they allow. They're under average in that they prevent teams from getting their chances. In the long run, the best strategy to have is you have the shots, you have the puck, and your opponents don't. The Leafs aren't described that way this year. They weren't last year either. They play fun. They take their chances and they run end-to-end with other teams. They count on their shooting and their save percentage to be extra high. In the long run, it can be kind of a dangerous way to go because you're always giving an opponent a chance to get back into the game. I think ideally for Leafs fans who've been burned by a couple of shorter playoff runs than they might have hoped for, you'd like to see this rate come back under control, maybe get middle of the league back to average. But right now the Leafs give up you know, almost as many shots as Washington, Chicago, Anaheim, New York Rangers. These aren't teams that you want to hang with in Mm. terms of shot rate against. And, you know, in the long run, at least they're going to have to tighten that up if they want to go deeper in the playoffs this year. In conversation with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic on Twitter at Charting Hockey. And, Sean, you just mentioned the Washington Capitals. So I want to get your take on, on the Caps there. Earlier with the Travis, uh, um, about a week or two ago, I guess, he argued the depth scoring of the Caps is what gives them a legit shot to be a strong team come playoff time. Now, the Metro Division is getting busy with plenty of hot teams right now. So are the Caps capable of thwarting their divisional opponents and building some separation in the standings? For me, and this is a a battle that kind of goes on in Hockey Stats Twitter from time to time, I'm skeptical of the Capitals because their underlying uh, expected goals for share is underwhelming. They've only been above break-even in expected goal share over a couple of short stretches this season. For the most part, they are under average, which means they give up more expected quality against than they generate for themselves. The argument has been that Washington can be expected to keep an elevated shooting percentage because they have such elite shooters. And I think Ovechkin is one of those names that you know kind of transcends anything that we know uh, about goal scoring because he just can defy expectation with his scoring ability. They have a couple other shooters who are strong, but nothing in the class of Ovechkin. So the debate is, can Washington sustain this heightened shooting percentage? Can they overperform their expectation over the long run. The case for is that they've done it a few times in the past, and last year they almost went into the playoffs looking the same, underwhelming expected goals for percentage, and then they went on their run and won the Cup. They're doing the same thing this year. So I remain skeptical. I think that it's difficult to win hockey games when you're constantly surrendering 
better quality chances against than you're generating for. They would only be a middle-of-the-pack team in the league, maybe even a little bit below. But they've done this before. Holtby can be an elite netminder. Ovechkin can, you know, change the tide of a game all on his own with the way that he can shoot the puck. And so although we might expect their save percentage and their shooting percentage to collapse back to average over the season, they're one of those teams that's shown that maybe they, you know, do have a repeatable skill here. I'm skeptical, but... We've seen them do it before. I've seen them do it before, exactly. Sean, let's uh, go over to a couple of Canadian number one defensemen that are in control of an individual trophy race right now. Morgan Riley of the Leafs, Mark Giordano of the Flames, leading the pack in Norris Trophy consideration. Now you have Eric Carlson, who has seen his point totals go up as of late. And, of course, the Nashville Predators are just stacked with defenders. You could go kind of up and down the lineup of who could be considered to win the Norris. How confident are you in the idea that either Riley or Giordano will be adding a Norris trophy to their collection this summer? I think Giordano is one of those guys who has defied age, and he's just an amazing thing to watch. He's going to be in the Norris consideration again, and he deserves the consideration. And at his age, you know, it's, it's just been amazing to watch what he's been able to do later into his career. Riley, the name you and I have discussed a couple of times this season, he's just blown by all expectations, all sort of past history. His scoring rate's been phenomenal. The Leafs are, you know, going to be one of those top teams at the end of the season. And so I think that these two names are names that are definitely going to be in the conversation for the Norris when we get time for, you know, handing out those trophies. But for me, and you, you tipped off the name, I never count Eric Carlson out. And I think the way Carlson's been playing, especially after that slow start, should indicate that he's going to be there at the end, and maybe he'll be the preeminent name. So, you know, he's up to 41 points in 44 games. But if you dig a little deeper, his shot share right now is just phenomenal. He's on ice for about 62 shots at even strength per 60 minutes, one of the fastest rates in the league. But he's only on ice for about 41 shots for opponents when he's out there. So he's got that sort of plus 20 differential. It's almost unheard of. It's one of the best rates in the league. And that just speaks to the fact that when Carlson's on the ice, he's doing what you want a defenseman to do, which is control the play and make sure the puck is in the other end of the ice where you can score all the time. The other stat that I always refer to when I'm thinking of that sort of overall quality of a player is goals above replacement, the sort of one catch-all, the war metric that we have. And Carlson's gotten there again. He's in the top five in the league. He's hanging with Morgan Riley, John Carlson from Washington, Thomas Shabbat has actually been there all season. And now we have Eric Carlson up there too. And so for me, I think Carlson's one of those names that you never want to count him out of the race. And the way he's been playing lately, he's starting to get his name mentioned in that consideration again. I think by season's end, he's one of those guys who could maybe wrest it from the hands of Giordano O'Reilly. And, and he might just be the favorite by the time we get into the spring. Well, hey, we're into the new year. It's going to be a fun sprint to the playoffs there. Sean, thank you so much as always, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. There he goes, Sean Tierney, Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, and, of course, on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. And I encourage you guys, again, the visualization, breaking it down, this, the analytics and underlying numbers talk with the charts just makes everything so much easier how Sean does it. So check him out and follow him at Charting Hockey. We'll step aside have some Leafs talk following the break, then get into some NHL fantasy hockey conversation with James Harding from NHL.com after that. A lot more coming up. TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Rolling along here 
on TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app, on iTunes if you miss any of the show. You can subscribe and rate us there. And we'll tweet it out, of course, the links at AndyMC81 and uh, at TSN 1050Radio at TSN Analytics. We're delivered by Domino's. How would you like unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each? You can get 100 if you want for just $7.99. Delicious, fresh toppings. Just order a minimum of two online at dominoes.ca. Perfect food for the big game. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. It's going to do a little bit of Leafs conversation. And something that is going to come up more and more as the season progresses and, of course, into the summer is the Maple Leafs. And having to sign Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner to that second contract. Pierre Lebrun was on Leafs Lunch earlier and was asked, will Matthews and Marner sign for more than $22.5 million combined on six-year deals? Yeah, I mean, it is realistic. I mean, I think the interesting thing is, too, and we've talked about this before, but I think the Marner camp is is looking hard at what at a four- or five-year framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that that would be ideal for the Leafs, so we'll see where that goes. Um, and again, we've talked before about, in terms of Matthews, whether it's eight years or five years, those are different terms that have been thrown around. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. I was just talking to a GM from another team this morning, and it, it, it's amazing. As much flack as we took uh, you know, in the media for how much time we spent talking about the Nylander negotiations, I understand one thing, and I think Gordon and I mentioned this earlier this year, it is incredible when, you, when you're on the phone with another team and I make a point of never bringing up, you know, something that wouldn't interest them. But it, it unsolicited is other teams always asking me how the Leafs are going to sign all these guys. Well, and, and like, it, is a, it, is a, it is a league-wide story. Wow, so behind the scenes there of uh, how the Leafs are going to do it with Pierre Lebrun. Now, the other kind of wrinkle, and we haven't seen this in the NHL in, in quite some time, of course, is what about... Marner or Matthews being signed to an offer sheet. That's could it happen? Kyle Dubas earlier in the year said he wasn't worried about it, but Pierre Lebrun addressed that. Any team that drops an offer sheet on on the on either Marner or Matthews are doing it to incur salary cap hell on the Leafs and mm-hmm. not because they actually think they can get the player. Exactly. The Leafs are matching. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Leafs are matching whatever offer she comes either way. Yeah, but that the deal is if you do that, have to go after a rival is what you're doing. But if you do that, then you you handcuff them in the Kapanen situation. You handcuff yeah. them yeah. in the other guys that you say no problem. Kapanen would look good on our unit. Kapanen gets available yeah. exactly. So, so yeah, no, yeah. isn't that what you're the, trying to do? One of the great uh, precedents is is the year that um, Chicago beat San Jose in the Western Conference Final. Yeah. I think it was 2010 en route to their first cup. Yeah, yeah. When after Chalmerson and Complete cap hell, and Doug Wilson offer sheeted uh, Nicholas Chalmers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the reason he did it is a yes, he wanted the player, but he also knew deep down that if the Hawks matched it, that it would create another domino effect. And that domino effect is, as you guys know, the Hawks had to walk away from the arbitration award Antti Niemi, yeah. who just won them the cup. And where does Antti Niemi end up that summer? San Jose, the free agent signing in San Jose. So. That I mean, I, I, if you're doing it strategically that way, then I get it. Pierre LeBrun from Leafs Lunch earlier in the week. We will step aside and come back to wrap up the program with some fantasy hockey talk for your league long, for your DFS. You need to stay tuned for this. James Harding, NHL.com fantasy writer, joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. 
here on TSN 1050. Fastest hour in radio, folks. I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself, at AndyMC81, on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, whatever. You can get us, and you can find us there. But now, it's time to get into some fantasy hockey talk. So let's go to the Domino's Pizza delivery line. And folks, try the Piece of the Pie Rewards program. Free to enter. This is cool. You go to dominoes.ca, top right corner, see a little pizza pie shape, and you sign up for free. And then anytime you order online anything $10 or more, you get 10 points. At 60 points, you get free pizza. It's terrific. Piece of the pie rewards. Check it out at dominoes.ca. Let's head to our hockey fantasy expert from NHL.com. It's James Harding. James, how are you, my friend? I am doing well, Andy. It's about 40 degrees colder in New York than where I was in Florida earlier this week. (laughs) But it certainly beats being in Anaheim right now. Or yeah, well, maybe not weather-wise, but uh, you know, for for ho- hockey-wise, I get you, uh, James. You know what? Let's get to some fantasy hockey tips. Everybody loves it. With some stock up, stock down. So, give me your two stock up fantasy plays for this weekend, sir. Yeah, first stock up fantasy play for this weekend. Uh, heading down to <clears throat> Carolina, and it's forward Michael Furland. Uh, he scored one goal and had two assists in their win against the Buffalo Sabres uh, last night on Friday. Uh, 44% owned in Yahoo leagues right now. He has uh, six points, two goals, and four assists, and 13 shots on goal in his past six games, and 23 points right now in 37 games. He is getting elite-level exposure with his line mates. He is skating on a line with top forwards. Sebastian Ajo, and Toivu Teravainen, and he's worth rostering right now in all league formats, playing with them at both even strength and on the power play. Uh, very, very favorable matchups coming up uh, in over the next week. Uh, they have a tricky one on Sunday against the Nashville Predators, but then they close out the rest of the week against the Rangers, Senators, and the Edmonton Oilers. So I really like... Uh, where Furland is right now. And I also like his, his goaltender teammate, Curtis McElhaney, who's won each of his past four starts. But stock up on Michael Furland down there. And then my second stock up for the week from the Winnipeg Jets is defenseman Jacob Truba. Uh, he had an assist in their 4-2 win against the Red Wings on Friday and has points in four of his past six games, uh, one goal, six assists, three power play points in that span, uh, skating on their first defense pair, and is running the point on the second power play unit in Winnipeg there with Jack Roslevic, Brian Little, uh, Matthew Perot, and fellow defenseman Sammy Niku. Uh, only 54% owned in Yahoo leagues right now, and is a good mid-level play in DFS lineups. Uh, seeing you know great exposure there to the two elite lines that the Winnipeg Jets have the availability to roll out on a nightly basis. So. Ferland and Truba are my two stock up for the week right now. So those are the two stock up. Who are we avoiding in stock down? Yeah, uh, avoiding right now from Vegas, William Carlson. Uh, comes into Saturday with a six-game pointless drought and has only one point, which was a goal on December 29th against the Kings in his past nine games. Uh, he has 30 points right now, 15 goals, 15 assists in 47 games, putting him on pace for... 26 goals and 52 points, which is a massive drop-off from the 43-goal 
178-point campaign that he put up last year. And last year he led the NHL with a plus-49 rating. This year, through 47 games, he's minus-2. So a 51-plus-minus drop-off from last season to this season right now. Uh, I'm not very high on William Carlson. And then my second stock down, Brock Besser from the Vancouver Canucks. You can tell that he is a different player when he's skating with Elias Pettersson to when he's not. Uh, he only has points in three of his past nine games. Two of them have been multi-point games. Uh, but in his past three games skating without Elias Pettersson, he is pointless in all three. Um, he's shooting the puck well, 29 shots on goal in his past seven games. Uh, but he is just a different player with Pettersson out of the lineup. So I'm very, very leery on Brock Besser right now. I don't think that he really has a great supporting cast in Vancouver when he's not skating with Pedersen and he's being looked at to do a lot of it on his own. Um, so until Pedersen gets back in the lineup, I'm leery on Brock Besser. There you go. Best in the biz, folks. James Harding from NHL.com. Fantasy hockey stock up, stock down. Brought to you by three brewers, microbrewery restaurants, locations across the GTA. you got to check these guys out. You're watching the big game. You can go casual. You can dress up a little bit. Fancy food, pub food. like Just great for an environment to be in for really any occasion. Family outing or out with friends, whatever. Three brewers. Again, locations across the GTA Three Brewers Microbrewery Restaurants in conversation with James Harding. Okay, James, uh, let's go league-wide here. If you're in your fantasy hockey league season long, give me a value player that you like, a waiver wire pickup who you should be adding to your roster. Yeah, it's Eunice Donskoy from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Dual left-wing, right-wing eligibility, 16% owned. Uh, He's just been a scoring beast as of late. He scored at least one goal in each of his past three games and has at least one point in seven of his past eight games right now. Uh, eight goals, two assists, and 16 shots on goal in that span. Uh, skating on an incredibly underrated third line right now in San Jose with Thomas Hurdle and Evander Kane. That would be most teams' second lines and probably a few teams in the NHL. That might even be their first line, and it's the Sharks' third line right now. Um, so I love where Donskoy is, and even in DFS matchups, He's under a $4,000 value right now uh, in DFS, but definitely jump on him uh, with the exposure to Kane and Hurdle in season-long leagues uh, available in over 80% of them right now. Nice. So that's a nice pickup for season-long or for your DraftKings lineup. Let's go to DFS here specifically for this weekend, James. When you're popping into the, the DraftKings lineup, and, and I, I just I, I love playing the DraftKings hockey because it's just you can just target on the specific day or over the weekend or whatever. But when we're looking at this and, and trying to fit players into that salary cap, you can go for the stars, but the value plays is how you win those DraftKings contests. Who do you like for a DFS play? Yeah, and it's actually on the opposite side of that San Jose matchup tonight for the Ottawa Senators, and it's uh, forward Chris Tierney. Uh, $4,300 tonight in DraftKings. He scored two goals and had three shots on goal uh, in their win on Thursday night, which pushed his point streak to three games, uh, he has two goals, three assists, and uh, on that streak, and he has seven points in his past ten games. Um, he's skating on the third line with exposure to forward uh, Mikel Bodker, and is centering the second power play unit there with Bodker, 
uh, Bobby Ryan, Ryan Dezingle, and defenseman Cody Cece. Uh, so I like Chris Tierney, $4,300. You can slot him in either as a low-range center option or as a value guy in your utility slot. Love it. Great stuff as always, James. Let's do it again next week, buddy. Sounds great, dude. All right. There he goes. James Harding, NHL.com, fantasy hockey writer. And he's always good about answering your fantasy hockey questions on Twitter as well, at jharding underscore hockey, at jharding underscore hockey. And, of course, check out his great work at NHL.com for all your fantasy hockey content needs. That'll do it, folks. We're done already. For producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.